0: Perfect practice makes perfect. In business development, soft skills make the sell. Ask questions not as a machine gun type of questioning, but more conversational, more listening, more open-ended to get someone talking, to get emotional, to share their pain, to share their fears, because that's what ultimately drives decisions with urgency.
1: You're listening to personal injury mastermind, where we give you the tools you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. Business development is critical to the success of every attorney. Developing your own book of business is a great way for a solo attorney to grow their practice and a great way for lawyers at existing firms to stand out to make their way up to partnership. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization business development or connecting one-to-one is based on soft skills that might not come natural to every attorney, but that's okay. Steve Fretzen is here to help you gain the insight and practical tools to help grow your business. Steve has over 20 years of experience, coaching, and training. He works with startup solos to attorneys at large firms, originating over $6 million in billables a year. He is also the host of Be That Lawyer podcast and a four-time author. Much of the business attorneys generate comes from the relationships they build with care and attention. Making these connections may come natural for some, but for others, Steve says not to worry. He has your back. His advice is coming up. We cover best practices for business development and how to stay accountable for your own priorities. Developing soft skills is a must and most effective when paired with a system for maximum referrals. Being at the forefront of marketing is all about understanding people. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Steve Fretzen, president of Be That Lawyer on when he first became interested in the legal
0: field. I became interested when the concept that lawyers don't learn business development in law school was brought to my attention. And in addition, they don't learn much at the law firm level. Most of the internal law firm marketing and business development people are focused on helping with RFPs. They're focused on helping, you know, just make sure that the people are out getting PR and super lawyer and all that kind of stuff. They're not in the weeds teaching the blocking and tackling stuff that I get into in the process I get into with that. So what I realized was the best example is this. I worked with a lot of sales teams and entrepreneurs, and many of them had been through training. They'd been through, you know, they worked in multiple jobs where they had multiple managers teaching them sales and business development and all that. And it was like before I could work with a with a new entrepreneur that had been in business for, let's say, 10 or 15 years, it was like a whiteboard that had scribbles all over it. And I had to essentially erase all of that, all the bad attitudes, all the bad systems, the things that were ineffective. And then I had to reteach them all these things with lawyers. It's like a whiteboard that's never been written on. There's nothing there. So for me, it's much easier to work with someone that has a clean slate than it is someone that has all the bad habits and has all been taught things that worked in the 80s and 90s, but don't work today, like aggressiveness and pitching and convincing, which are all outdated ways of approaching business development.
1: There's an, an older movie called Boiler Room, and, it, sure. and, and Affleck's in this room. He's getting ready to hire these uh, future brokers, and he asked who's passed, I think, the Series 7 or one of the... And one guy raises his hand and he's like, okay, you're out because he didn't want to teach, you know, reteach because they already had a bunch of bad habits in his eyes.
0: It's not that I... I can't break people down and get them into better habits. It's just easier. Just like I can take an introverted intellectual property attorney who hates you know, business development, loathes the idea of it, and they can just follow a system. And that's what a lot of attorneys are looking for is they're looking for proven processes and systems. And that just doesn't exist in the universe of winging it and just, hey, figure it out and eventually things might happen for you. That's not a great way. And a lot of attorneys get burned and turned off by networking, for example, because they're out there doing it. They're not bearing any fruit from that effort. And then they just get frustrated and you know just quit or, or st- slow down or stop doing it at all.
1: Let's define business development because there's a lot of ways you can look at it. When you refer to business development, what are you referring to?
0: different than marketing, where it's more like one-to-many. This is more like one-to-one one or one-to-some as it relates to you know going out, meeting someone who could do business with you and bringing that business in or developing strategic partners that refer you. It's the activity that a person can take versus maybe outsource. That might be the difference between business development and uh, in marketing, for example.
1: I think from that, I'm a big fan of Naval Ravikant. He talks about leverage and he talks about you know, distribution and marketing. But I think the one thing with those one-to-one relationships is a, I guess a lot of people that you target, they have distribution. So in turn, you, you kind of get to tap into that.
0: I mean, a lot of the business that attorneys get are through the relationships they develop, right? It's not through marketing necessarily. So they want to learn best practices for developing those relationships to get results faster and that's definitely going to be, you know, a one-on-one thing. You can't develop a relationship as easily through marketing tactics, like writing a book, writing an article. People can get to know you through those means. Doesn't it's not the same as having a conversation, learning about someone's kids, learning about the hobbies, their passions, and trying to figure out how ways to help them selflessly. That's always going to do better than, Hey, I put out an article that, you know, is amusing and, you know, has a point to it. That's great but that's not gonna get you across the finish line as quickly.
1: Yeah, and I guess the other part is, is if, if you just put something out and they don't know you, they may not read it, but if they know you, they may actually care and, and spend the time to read it.
0: Thinking about two sides of a mountain and, and you wanna climb both sides at the same time. On one side is the business development of the relationships and development of strategic partners and you know d- development of, of deep, loyal clients. Then on the other side of it is the social media, the website, the newsletter, the ways that you're marketing, so that you can meet at the peak, and that's where a lot of times people find their greatest success is when those two parts meet at the peak of a mountain: the marketing and the business development collectively.
1: Yeah, and and Steve, you you've written. The legal business development it isn't rocket science. You got the book right behind you. And and so you've been talking about this for, for many years and you're an expert. So what aspects of business development do you see most important for any firm, any size?
0: Well, it's easier maybe to talk about Individual lawyers versus firms, because firms, there's so many moving parts with with comp and culture and size and scope and where they're located, and there's just there's a that's a whole other conversation. But as it relates to individual lawyers, it really comes down to how they manage their time. I mean, if they're not being considerate about making time for business development, it's always going to get pushed down to the bottom. There's just no. Chance that it's going to rise to the top. So we have to get our time under control. I mean, I'm even having high-level conversations where lawyers are being handed work, then they have to have some difficult conversations with their partners to say, look, I really appreciate the work. I'm interested in taking it. However, you know, I have my own clients and I have a bunch of things in the pipeline, I have to make sure I have space for. And your business is going to take up a lot of that time. So, you know, I'm happy to take it, but I might need some origination credit. I might need some managerial credit, something to balance it out. Otherwise, I can't really take on that work. I mean, that's a conversation lawyers just would never have in the past. And now they have to have those conversations, you know, as well as thinking about how they're managing their day, they're managing their time. Are they run by their inbox or are they run by, you know, their priorities of how they're going to advance their business development and origination as a lawyer?
1: What type of methods do you see as most effective for for the time management side?
0: I think there's a number of elements to this. Number one might be, how are they looking at their day, looking at their week? Actually, in some cases, I have clients track their time, track their day, the way they would bill hours and track hours to look at all of the things that they're doing that could be delegated, that could be dropped, that could be, this is not a priority. Why am I doing this on a weekday in the middle of the day? And so that's maybe a, a very beginner side of it. I also always recommend getting things done by David Allen, where I just steal a ton of stuff because it's just so great, Uh, so much knowledge there. And also developing good business development habits. So if you make the time and and, and it's important to you to have a book of business and have control and freedom in your career where you have your own clientele, that has to be built. Well, you also have to develop habits where you're doing it every day or every week. And in some cases with my clients, I actually have them set up, uh, you know, like it's easier to work out with a workout buddy. I have them have mm-hmm. business development buddies where they meet every week for thirty minutes or an hour. They they get on a Zoom. They say, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do for the next hour, business development wise." The other person will share what he or she's going to do. They go put it on mute, go do it, then come back and say what they did. So now you're not alone in this. You have an actual partner. You can do that with someone at your firm. You can do that with a lawyer friend of yours. If business development is something that's important. You have to be a student of not only business development, but also time management, because it's that's what's going to allow you to develop the strong habits to actually go out and get business or, or develop more.
1: I love the accountability aspect of you know, and then you have if you have the right partner, right? They can really rib you, and give you a hard time yeah. if you're not maybe maybe get your, some
0: betting going or get some right. you know like yeah, let's let's make it interesting, whatever you make it do.
1: a competition.
0: Yeah, you know, lawyers. Many lawyers are competitive. I mean, that's a known thing. So why not set up some type of, you know, end of the month. You know, how many people did you meet with, or how many people, how much business did you get? I mean, depending on what metrics you want to want to try. But ultimately, it's just easier to do something with a friend than it is to do it on their own. And developing positive habits around business development, it just makes it work. I mean, it's like losing weight on your own is tough. Losing, like, I can lose weight with my wife all day long. I'm like an assassin at losing weight. If I want to lose five or 10 pounds, my wife and I just agree, we're going to cut out this, that, and the other. And we do. And when we don't do that, well, guess what? I'm on my own. And no, there's a Jerry queen, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just to echo that, just to echo that I have a hard time in my health and fitness, really difficult time, but the times I've had the most success, I've hired a personal trainer Yeah. because I don't miss meetings and I don't want to let them down. I know that they're a lot of times the personal trainers don't make as much revenue and it's all commission based. And I don't want to, to lose that out. So yeah, it works really well for me. Now, the other thing that I see, I don't see a lot of attorneys, particularly in the PI space doing a ton of business development. They really lean on the demand gen, the lead gen side. Having said that we talk about Morgan and Morgan and Mr. John Morgan a lot, right? Because he's, he's a master of marketing and, and business development. I look at his careers page quite frequently because he's hiring so many employees and I see and his titles differ, but I see this account executive and I'm like, well, that's a marketing type name. Typically it's not associated with legal as much, but I was looking at the job description and there it is go meet other attorneys, develop referral relationships. That's the name of the game. And I think that with all these social media channels and you know, new one popping up, TikTok, maybe some of that is lost. And I'd like to kind of hear, you know, your thoughts on where business development sits as it just compares to marketing in general.
0: I mean, I think for every individual attorney or an attorney at a big firm, mid-market firm, you've got to look at what your firm is doing on the marketing side. And how is it helping you with your personal brand? Because, you know, Morgan & Morgan or a Jackson Lewis or a Sidley in Austin, I mean, they've got the name, but but how is that helping you as an individual attorney you know, get business? And so I, everyone's got to look at what are your competitors doing? What's working for them? And do I want to get into that space and, and try to compete there? Or do I want to try to find some new space that hasn't been developed yet and focus on that? And so you know, a lot of it has to do with brainstorming with each attorney that I work with, for example, to understand where the opportunities are. Sometimes it's right in front of them. And I always goof that the attorneys I meet with, in some cases, it's it's a, like there's a pile of money stacked up on a table right in front of them. And they've been walking around it for years. And they don't have to do any social media. They don't have to do any networking, any of that. They've got 500, 700 clients that they haven't touched base with. They haven't asked, what else can I do for you? They haven't asked for introductions. They haven't done a lot of the soft skill things that I teach. And I'm like, so, so why would you want to invest huge money and time on you know, social media or pay-per-click or all these other things when all the business you'll need for the next two years is right in front of you through your existing clients, past and existing. That's one example, okay, of many. So we have to look at what's gonna be successful for the individual on the marketing side and on the business development side. And the problem is I think most attorneys, and they're just not able to see around what's going on because they're just in it. They're in the mess themselves every day. That's why executives have coaches, right? They can't see what's in front of them sometimes. And even myself, like my origin story was working with a coach. I was like the old school sales guy who thought he knew everything. And, you know, I was top in my company and I was, you know, MVP and all that. So I thought I was, you know, it. And then I had this guy evaluate me and find all these gaps and all this time I was wasting. And I was like, oh my God, I never would have seen that myself. And so there are people out there that have, 10 years of sales experience, for example, doing business development, but really what they have is one year of experience 10 times. They haven't really learned. They haven't really improved. They haven't, you know, seen where their gaps may be. So that's, you know, i kind of gone off a tangent here, but the idea is that whether it's business development marketing, you know, we have to really look at it under a microscope and identify where the business might be for us different than maybe from a competitor.
1: I like what you said and what I didn't hear is the and approach versus the, or approach is like, you know, there's a place for both of them. And that's, that's the name of the game. The other thing is you hear this term rainmaker, rainmaker, every, every law firm wants to hire the rainmaker. So you're teaching that individual, the skills to become a, a rainmaker and we talked about time management, but you also, you, you brought up soft skills, you know, and confidence, you know, so how do you instill those values? Because personally, I'm, for me, even my agency, the most difficult thing to find is someone that has those phenomenal soft skills. And it's just so important. I find that just technology and, and those things are kind of lost. So how do you approach that with those that you mentor and you coach?
0: Yeah, I think, I think soft skills not only includes teaching, you know, smarter, uh, more effective processes and methodologies, it also includes things like listening, uh, body language, you know, like neuro-linguistic programming, uh, empathy. And these are soft skills that some lawyers have and some lawyers don't. And when they're in a business meeting where they have someone in a vulnerable place, where they're, they're, they have legal challenges and they're pitching and they're selling and they're convincing when in fact they should be listening, understanding and empathizing and, and trying to let that prospective client feel understood. And that's a soft skill that they don't teach anywhere, but I'm teaching it every day. And I'm practicing with my clients. I'm having them practice these skills, you know, in a safe, confidential environment so that they're ready to go out on the field and play. And then when they do, we debrief those encounters. So they went on a meeting. They thought they nailed it. I asked them identify gaps and we sure enough, we find maybe one or two things that they missed that would have made the meeting even better. Now they're learning and improving. And there's an old saying, we've, we've had our whole lives, practice makes perfect. And uh, Lombardi, I keep going back to this, this brilliant you know football coach who said, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. And so what I do is I try to allow my clients to fail, allow them to make mistakes, debrief it with me, identify an error where empathy should have been used more, softening statements, of how they ran the meeting, where they ask questions, not as a, like a rapid fire, you know, machine gun type of questioning, but more conversational, more listening, more open-ended to get someone talking, to get emotional, to share their pain, to share their fears, because that's what ultimately drives decisions with urgency. And so there are all these things that we're teaching that go so far beyond basic questioning or basic qualifying or presenting. And these are things we work on. That's why I put clients through an eight month intensive program versus just some one on one coaching that happens every month or something they're with me on a regular basis to learn all these skills one of the few people that i think that that runs a program where it combines coaching and training because i know they need all those soft skills uh, in addition to the methodologies
1: what i found challenging in having these eight month programs i'd like to hear your opinion on this is and we try to hire this from a values perspective are those that are take complete ownership and accountability. Yeah. It's that vulnerable side of them like maybe I could have been a better listener here. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Does is that another reason why you kind of extend that out so that they trust you and they have this safe environment or do you find that hey I'm paying for this service and that they that kind of lends itself to the openness?
0: I mean the fact that they're investing time, money and energy to work with me is a level of commitment that has to happen to learn. I mean, nobody should go and get an MBA and spend that money if you're not going to show up for class, if you're not going to learn, if you're not going to use that MBA other than just having MBA on your resume. Quite frankly, it's fun to win and it's fun to work with attorneys that are hungry to grow. And that's really what helps me to be successful is having really ambitious, hungry, motivated clients to work with.
1: We had Seth Godin on and he talked about the the individuals where he gave them a free entry into his university. They almost all dropped off yeah. where, they, where they didn't complete it because they had that no sunk cost.
0: To build that internal loyalty and in that culture at a firm, there's so many things that, that are now like the baseline of what has to happen. Healthcare, time off, effective equipment, automation, right? That's what's going to develop at least the beginning of a good culture, good comp program. But with business development, it's a little different. It's not for everybody. Sometimes I look at it and it's almost like 5% of the legal population is really open and interested in growing and understand the importance of it. But taking action is very different. It's something that has to become a habit. And not everybody's ready for that. And not everybody's up for it. Some people are just super happy at their big firm, making their half a million or million a year. And then business development just isn't a big deal because they've got the lifestyle where they can bill hours, they can make money and spend time with their family. If they're not spending time with their family and all they're doing is billing hours and burning out, that might be a warning sign that, yeah, you might want to go ahead and get some of your own clients because then you're portable and you have control. Where right now, I mean, I'm talking to a lawyer at a big firm and I mean, this guy is just being run around by a practice leader who has 30 lawyers under him and this guy can't get out out from under it. I mean, where's his career? He's 10 years in and he has no none of his own clients. He has to work under the, you know, this, this tyrant leader. And other than leaving the firm, which he doesn't want to do, what's his option? So business development is a way out, but you have to be significantly serious about it to do it.
1: I would say that's also the best track to a partnership, right? If you're bringing oh, yeah. in revenue, they want that. They yeah. want to participate that, you know, so Again, your your book, uh, Legal Business Development Isn't Rocket Science, it has over 250 actionable ways to do this, that attorneys can grow their business. What are three things that our listeners, our personal injury attorney audience could do on the business development side?
0: Well, one of the things I would start off with is that the mentality about business development and the negative connotation it has, and and you know you can call it sales, business development, and I don't think many lawyers got into practicing law so that they can you know, go out and sell legal services. Right. However, can we look at it from a different perspective and understand that, Hey, this actually might be fun. And here's a good example. I was working with a golf pro and he said, Hey, hit 10 balls. And this is one of my chapters in the book is giving this story of working with a golf pro. And he said, Hey, hit 10 balls for me out into the range. So I hit 10 balls. And he says, Steve, did you enjoy that hitting those balls? I go, what do you mean? He goes, what do you think golf is? I said, well, golf is getting the ball straight down the fairway so you can get in the hole with as many, as few shots as he goes. Yeah, that's, that's the result of hitting the ball. But what do you think the game of golf really is? I said, I I don't know what you're talking about. Like I was freaking clueless on this thing. He goes, Steve, it's all about the swing. The swing is the game, whether it's a putt, whether it's a drive, whether it's a, a mid mid range iron, the swing is the game and if you enjoy the swing and you and you feel good about the swing not only do you get a better result but you enjoy the game more and i was like holy i was blew my mind like wow and then i of course put it into my own world and i said wait a second that's what business development needs to be if you enjoy doing business development it isn't a, it isn't a chore it isn't horrifying it isn't you know about you know something that makes you feel icky That's going to be a huge factor in your success in growing your book of business because now you're enjoying meeting people. You're enjoying asking questions. And guess what? It's fun to close business. It's fun to get someone to say yes and have them say yes because there's a fit, because you found a match. That's a beautiful thing. And lawyers don't understand how good it feels when someone says yes to you. And yeah, there might be some no's, but I even teach how good a no can feel, right? That's another, maybe another chapter. But Mm -hmm. the idea is that if we can enjoy the swing in business development the same way that I now enjoy my golf swing, that's a huge lesson from the book. And I can really turn someone's mind around to not see it as, as a bad thing, but see it as a real positive.
1: Flipping the perspective can help transform business development from a chore to an enjoyable part of your day, which is easy to say for those who are more extroverted, but what about the
0: introverts? Here's the dirty little secret about introverts. I used to believe that they couldn't do business development because they weren't built for it. In fact, I do assessments. One's called a DISC, for example, where it's a behavioral assessment. And there are people that are extroverted that are more built for a sales role, for example. So if I was recruiting for sales, I would look for someone that's built that way and the introverts I would sort of avoid. And I have a very different feeling about that because I have had some of my greatest success stories with... The intellectual property attorneys, with the, with the attorneys that are highly technical, because what we don't realize is that when they're given structure and when they're given process and when they have success with those structures and processes, then it becomes a routine and it becomes something that allows them to feel like an extrovert, even though they're not because now they're following a system. If you just have them say, hey, go out and get business or go out and market or go start posting on social media, they're going to freeze up because it involves figuring it out. It involves putting themselves out there in a way that isn't comfortable and they're not going to take those risks. But if you say, wait a second, here's how we're going to post on LinkedIn. I want you to come up with something industry related. That's a poll, something that you think you'd want to get information on. Okay, well, let's figure it out. How many inventors... Are worried that their their patent isn't going to be patentable because it's not a unique idea. It's not a it's not a super unique idea. And then you can ask, you know, put some answers and then put that out into LinkedIn and see what the responses are. Get engagement. So what what did that take? There was very little risk. You're 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 polling people and you're getting a good post out, right? Or taking someone else's content and commenting on it. So we sometimes just have to take things slow and and steady versus it being just like a fire hose to the mouth. And that's what helps introverts really get across the finish line is that repetition. And then of course, if something is proven, then they're done. If you can get introverts to buy into something that's proven that, that they then see the evidence that it's worked for them, then they're gonna have great success in business development, marketing, et cetera
1: so I want to kind of tie this back because I'm really interested in this because we, we disc personality assessment, all of our employees. So our, our account managers are typically DI or ID or some I component. And then a lot of our project managers are that CD, those types of individuals. So you're saying like the CD, those process oriented people that, that could be introverts on the, the assessment could actually be your best rainmakers just following a good process.
0: Look, there are people that are built for different roles within different organizations. And so we do want to you know, utilize extroverts are going to have a better chance, for example, of being rainmakers than introverts. But that doesn't mean introverts can't step up and do it. Right. And we see that all the time. They just need to go through, you know, more steps in, in a different way to get to get to the same result that maybe an extrovert would. But at the end of the day, you can have people that are introverts or extroverts if they're not willing to do their job, if they're not willing to step up and take things to the next level in, in in a new capacity, then it doesn't matter. It's more about their will to do it more than their personality or their behavior.
1: I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, so the legal industry is changing, right? We're, we're about to get, you know, private equity and hedge funds over in Arizona, the non-lawyer ownership and, you know, c- consolidation. So it's becoming really competitive. There's saturation. It's, pay-per-click went from $50 a click to $500 a click for some phrases or more. And is this the answer back to the, back to the roots? Because this is how it was formed. You know, there wasn't Google back in the day. Is it, is it a shift back to business development and relationships?
0: I think at the end of the day, as things continue to get competitive, as the economy is uncertain, are we in a Recession or not, are we heading into a recession? Lawyers in general, I don't care if you're at a big firm or a solo, you've got to be cognizant of what the future looks like and how well prepared you are. Whether if that's from a marketing perspective, that you're putting the dollars and time and energy into your marketing efforts, whether it's learning business development and understanding that the future is going to be, you know, your ability to capture and keep and retain, you know, clients that can that can give you business. And if you're just burying your head in the sand, I think you're gonna be the one that wakes up in a couple of years and realizing what a mistake that was. I have attorneys today that hire me and they're in their, let's say, mid-50s or early 60s. And they're all saying the same thing. "Geez, I wish I had done this in my 30s and 40s because they gave up 10, 20 years of their ability to grow business and capture that control and freedom. And they just waited too long. And I say, it's not too late. I mean, look, if you're 60 and you're gonna work till you're 72 or 75, you know, it's still, you know, 10, 12 years of of growing and getting your own business and building wealth. So let's not cry about it. Let's do something about it.
1: I couldn't agree more and I may kind of butcher this quote, but I think Einstein said something like the eighth one of the world is compound interest. And everyone equates that to finances and not necessary relationships. And I could say the same thing about business development versus say marketing, marketing, you, you improve your owned assets, your email list, right? Your social following the business development, you have more relationships and those can compound.
0: Yeah. It's that mountain I mentioned earlier, you know, you're building relationships, you're, you're developing strategic partners, people that refer you business on a regular basis. And then on top of that, you're building the marketing side. Your podcast is building your network of, of potential buyers and strategic partners. Your social media is on autopilot. You're posting now every day with good content. You're uh, writing a book and that book is, is, is being you know pushed to bestseller status. Whatever it is, it's all working in your favor. And you're either doing something or you're doing nothing or you're doing something in the middle. And the people that are doing the most are going to end up in a better position in the future. There's just no way that can't happen.
1: And that's how you make yourself indispensable. That's how you future-proof yourself. First of all, I'm going to ask a question that I don't know a lot about, but I'm just curious. There's this Dunbar's number, right? It's, it's between 50 and 150 people where you start to lose touch. And that's also where in the growth of a business, it's where you start to need to hire these non-revenue generating employees, these HR individuals, these people and culture. How does that factor into the relationship side of going out and doing business development?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm teaching lawyers that in this, I have a book called The Attorney's Networking Handbook. And one of the things I talk about in that book is how vast and huge my network is. And it used to be, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep, right? So I was meeting with a ton of people. I was trying to build relationships, but there were so many that it was impossible to maintain other than a newsletter which ultimately doesn't build relationships the same way as you know being able to spend individual time with people. So what I try to help people with is to develop spheres of influence where they're investing the most amount of time with their top referral partners, their top clients and they get more. You know they you know people are created equal but but clients aren't. So someone that's giving you $100,000 in business a year isn't valuable in the same way that someone gave you a $5,000 deal five years ago. They're just not created equal. So we have to look at what are we doing for our A contacts? What are we doing for our B contacts? And I have clients go through this where they actually take a list and they say, these are my A players, referral partners, clients that I have to take the most and best care of. Then I've got my Bs and then I've got my Cs. Some of that can be automated across the board, social media, newsletter, LinkedIn, et cetera. And they're all going to get that. But then let's say it's, I need to have a lunch with my A's. Well, that's going to happen every quarter. The B's, it might happen once a year and the C's don't get a lunch, right? So what are we doing to make sure that we're keeping our, you know, it's, all right, here's a great example. Okay. Great way to think about it. If I'm a baseball scout, okay, I need to go to the right places to find players for my team. Right. So I'm going to go to Japan, Korea, Dominican. I'm going to go hit, hit you know, the colleges, the high schools. OK, I'm going to go where the talent is. I find the talent. If I find some young player, I'm not going to immediately put them on the starting lineup of the Cubs or the Sox here in Chicago. Right. What would happen if I just took someone 18 years old and put them on this kicked to my, my five million dollar third baseman off and just put this this nobody kid? I'm going to lose my job in a day an hour. Okay. So what do we do? We bring them up slowly and we test them out. We test their skills. We see how they play. So we want to bring up people from the field to the minors, to the majors on the bench and eventually as a starter. So there's a number of layers and I need to keep vetting people up. But once I get them on the team, I need to make sure they're playing at the highest level. I need to make sure my bench is still warm and I need to make sure I'm always recruiting. But I'm going to take best care of my players. They're the ones that are getting paid the big bucks, then the second tier, then the third tier. So there's a number of ways to look at it. it ultimately, you don't have time to go and meet with hundreds of people every month or even every year necessarily. So we've got to look at them, but maybe valuing them as A's, B's and C's where they get different things, including our time.
1: I think it's super smart. And I that that's a brilliant way to look at it. And I think that example that you just said could could go for anything. It could be for a new employee working himself up at the company is you, you give them some reps and there's nothing worse than when you, you put someone in a position and they are just not ready for it. Right. And where you have to demote them or you have to, and, and I guess the same applies for just your time. Cause we all have limited time and trying to develop these, these uh, referral partners.
0: The other part of it is without having any networking process or methodology, you just meet move on, meet, move on, meet, move on, and hope that things come your way. What I'm teaching lawyers to do is actually meet people, have a process for meeting, identify whether they're qualified to move forward or not. If they're qualified to move forward, and I've got an acronym for that I can share, but move it forward and meet again and figure out how you're going to help each other. And that's a part of that vetting process. Let me say, for example, Chris, that I refer you a piece of business And you say that you're going to refer me a piece of business and then you never follow through. So I email you you don't respond. I email you again, you don't respond. So what I'm identifying is you're happy to take a connection, but you're not really willing to make a connection or put your time or effort, energy. Maybe you don't have the organizational skills to do it, but that may be a disqualifier for me wanting to be a networking partner with you because you're not able to execute and follow through in a way that's going to be meaningful to be a player on my team. Okay. I just met with a financial planner yesterday. It was a 30 minute conversation. The guy has already made two introductions for me that are meaningful, meaning lawyers that can actually do business with me after a 30 minute meeting. Now I came, he came highly vetted. I came highly vetted, but I was like, you know, I didn't expect that. I didn't even think that would even be a blip of something that would happen. And that just proved to me, this guy's a player, man. This guy understands it. He gets it. And so this is someone I need to lean into Because And I need to make sure, and I made a couple introductions for him right off to help him with some needs around books and podcasts and stuff. And um, wow, we're off to the races, man. But we've already, and we both followed through, I think within 15 minutes of after our call, there were emails flowing both ways. It was like, it's like watching a kid on a field in the Dominican hit home run after home run after home run, and then pitch 98 miles an hour, 10 times in a row down the middle. I mean, that's what I just found with this guy. And I was so happy. And originally I was turned off because it's a financial planner. And do I really want to meet another financial planner? Well, guess what? They're not all created equal, just like lawyers and and me and, and coaches. So this is the kind of stuff we need to do to get the best people move forward and not to waste time with the people who maybe aren't really players or winners or going to you know, really execute on the stuff they promise
1: the go-giver mentality, the give without expecting anything in return. When you find those individuals that reciprocate, I mean, that's, there's nothing better than that. It, you know, yeah. that symbiotic kind of rising tides or one plus one and it's not two is three. And I guess on the flip side, there's nothing worse. And I know we've all experienced this in our life when we give, 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 and you get nothing from the other individual. They, they just, they just take, 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 and it just kind of drains you. Drains yeah. the Energy drains,
0: I identified a gap with what was going on is that, you know, the go-giver and other of the successful networking books, they talk a lot about giving, 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 and you can do that and you can build karma. And I did it, man. I was a, I was a believer and a follower. The piece that I, that I sort of get into my books and that I kind of transition is give, 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 but give intelligently and test for results. Because not everybody is a giver. Some people are takers. Some people are kind of what I call apparent givers, where they appear to give, but ultimately they don't put in the time, effort, energy to fulfill the promises that were made. And if that happens once or twice, it can really take the heart right out of your chest because here's yeah. somebody that you thought was going to help you now or in the future, and they they really were not helpful at all. They just made us feel you know, just living in hope that things were gonna come around and we invest a lot more time with them than we really should. So I like the idea of, of giving intelligently, testing the waters, identifying who's real and who's not and moving forward with the ones that are. And yes, it's about giving, but give with intelligence. I think that's my message and my methodology because I did the go-giver mentality. And I don't know, especially for busy attorneys, they're not gonna have the time to go and give to everybody. They're not gonna be able to meet people at the numbers that the go-giver was suggesting. And I love the book. I'm just saying like, it's not realistic for it. I think it's, it's in methodology and in mentality. It's a great concept, but in reality for lawyers that are billing, you know, 50, 60 hours a week, it's just not going to work.
1: And and that's why they got to check out your book. Legal that's why you got to check out. Development yeah. Isn't rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and th- this has been amazing, Steve. And I'm going to take a lot of what you you mentioned and like reevaluate. I love these conversations. I get a ton of value. I think the first thing I'm going to do is is maybe create that list of ABC, and really evaluate you know who sent us referrals and who's actually been a good partner as opposed to you know just uh, and really be intentional about it. And uh, so I appreciate that. that that's uh, really exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's all about incremental improvement. And 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 look, I'm not. Perfect. My wife will tell you. And I have to keep learning. You know, I've got a podcast. You've got a podcast. What can we improve? Can I, What can we do to make an episode better? What can we do to, you know, better promote our sponsors? What can we do to, you know, these are all, it's just, it's a never ending game of learning and improving and lawyers, you know, they have no problem learning and improving the law. But when it comes to marketing, business development, where we that actually directly impacts their revenue and directly impacts their quality of life, and they're not willing to put in the time, effort to work with a coach, to read a book, to listen to podcasts, you know, like ours, I think it's a big misstep. So that's the message to everybody. You know, I don't care if you hire me or don't hire me. Learn something, improve something that's going to make your life better. That's going to make your you know practice more sustainable because the future is uncertain.
1: Yeah, and guys. Go go check out Steve's podcast, Be That Lawyer. And, and Steve, you know, one final question here. Where can people get in touch with you? Where can they get the book? And um, just one final thought for you.
0: Yeah, I've got four books completed on Amazon. Uh, they're all available for sale. I don't think they're a big investment. I think anybody could handle that. And you know, the money goes towards my son's 529, which is a, a lovely thing to do. So check those books out on Amazon. I've got a website, fretson.com and there you know you can learn about the two programs i run i only do two things if if this isn't a fit for you i've i've got resources i can share but it's coaching and training mba style intensive 8 month program that is game changing for most lawyers that go through it only the most ambitious, you know, uh, competitive, coachable people through that. Then I also run those Rainmaker Roundtables, where I'm taking successful business developers, managing partners, equities, putting them in a confidential room with other successful attorneys, letting them work on each other's challenges, best practices, uh, and accountability for the quarters, for the you know, for the year. And that's all available on my website fretson.com.
1: When evaluating the business development for your firm, Steve had some great takeaways. Make quality time. Don't leave it until all the other work is done. Scheduling is during your productive hours. Look at the resources that are right in front of you. Revisit your existing book of business. Ask how you can better serve your existing base. Develop positive habits around business development. And don't go alone. Like going to the gym with a partner, have the right accountability buddy will help you achieve success in your business goals. I'd like to thank Steve from Be That Lawyer for sharing his story with us, and I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you liked this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing.